Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Stephanie Wigand is the Director of Vocal Music at the Harwood Union Middle and High School in Central Vermont. Stephanie received her BFA in Musical Theater from Ithaca College. While there, she appeared in many main stage productions and worked as a music director and pianist on and off campus. After graduation, Stephanie moved to New York City, where she toured nationally with a children's theater company and was also a member of the New York Choral Society. After her time in New York, Stephanie moved to Vermont with her husband, where she opened her own private voice studio. She adjudicates and accompanies various musical festivals and continues to direct, musical direct, and perform with many arts organizations in the state of Vermont. Currently, Stephanie serves as the president of the Vermont chapter of the ACDA. She is also the 2014 recipient of the Vermont Music Educator Association Outstanding New Music Educator Award. We're thrilled that Stephanie is able to join us today. So welcome, Stephanie. How are you today? Oh, I am great today, Jim. Thank you. How are you? Very good. I heard it's snowing up there in Vermont today. Oh, it usually is. It happens to be snowing an awful lot, so we are home from school today. Oh, well, great. Well, thanks for taking some time away from the kids and the, and the fam uh, to speak with us. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So I know, uh, Stephanie, I've known you for, for quite a while now, and I know that you have a strong background in both vocal performance and musical theater and that that was your path up at Ithaca College. How did you get from being a performer and, and making the transition to being a teacher? How was that for you? What was the kind of the, the journey for you? Uh, it, wa it was a journey. Um, it was, um, <clears throat> at the same time, it was really kind of far-fetched and also incredibly a natural transition. Um, I'm also a pianist, so when I was in college, um, at Ithaca, when you're a musical theater major, you don't have a lot of time to get a job. So um, yeah. there was another friend of mine and myself who were accompanists and we, we played auditions and we played for people's juries and we um, played for people's voice lessons. And I wound up really, really enjoying that and um, became um, available for audition coaching um, and then started to do some lessons, and I really, really enjoyed that. And, and music directing, um, all of that became kind of uh, more and more important to me over the years and working with different groups of people one-on-one um, -on -one and in small groups like um, show casts and people were getting ready for their auditions. Um, and I really enjoyed um, that kind of mentoring, teaching, aspect of things more and more mm -hmm. yeah so um it uh you know 
being being in New York is is what it is, and it's awesome and crazy, and I wouldn't change it for anything. And it's also a lot. Um, so there was a point where my um, my husband and I were were like, "What are we doing? What are we going to be down here forever? What do we want to do?" So we we decided to make the big leap up to Vermont, and the arts uh, scene up here is amazing. Music is incredible up here. Um, so we had a great time and I instantly wound up with a full-time studio teaching voice and piano lessons, music directing, accompanying. Um, and that became what I did, uh, as my work, which was amazing because when I right. lived in New York, I was right. waiting tables. So <laughs> I moved to Vermont to have a full-time music job. That's amazing. Which seems really crazy. Um, and then I wound up giving lessons and accompanying at schools um, and just, and then wound up subbing for chorus classes and it just kind of all happened <laughs> that way. Uh, and so yeah, how, how, how long have you sure. been, uh, so how long have you been a public school music teacher in Vermont? Oh, uh, this is my seventh year in the classroom. Wow. And I was at the school where I'm teaching right now. I was there as um, a private voice studio teacher for three years before that. Great. And that's at Harwood Union Middle School High School? Yes. Very cool. And so it's both, so it's uh, sixth grade to 12th grade? It's seven through 12. Seven through 12. It's a little complicated in the middle school. There's another middle school in our district, but we have all of the high school students, nine through 12. Got it. In our six town union school. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. And you're, yeah. you're also, um, uh, I know that you're very active with ACDA. Um, tell us yeah. about your, I, you're the president-elect or are you the president now? I'm the current um, active president. For the Vermont um, chapter? For a Vermont chapter, yeah. And how did you get involved with AC? It just seems like a natural uh, kind of uh, organization to be involved with. Oh, yeah. The, the choral community um, in general is very open and accepting and warm. And um, especially in Vermont, they're just, it's a small enough state where we all kind of have to get along and help each other out. Um, and my my choral colleagues encouraged me to jump in and I was um, one of the repertoire and resource chairs for a little while for show choir and jazz. Um, and then I was going to the board meetings and somehow wound up <laughs> <laughs> tricking people into thinking I was qualified. <laughs> of course you are. That's great. <laughs> Um, no, it was, it's been, it's been a wild ride and really incredible. I love that community. Um, and, and even regionally and, um, the Eastern division and the, and national has been like, they're all your neighbors there. It's really an, an incredible organization. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what your program looks like at Harwood? What, what, what are your teaching responsibilities? So myself personally, I'm the vocal person. So I've got a seventh grade chorus, an eighth grade chorus. They perform together, but meet separately in the classroom. And then I have a high school chorus. Um, there are, it kind of is in a weird transition year this year. I happen to have one, um, one class. Sometimes there are two classes, but they all perform together. Um, and then I do, I also have a theater production which is um, in the high school. That's one of my classes as well. Very they, cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting, very, very unique to our school kind of class. We have 
regular student-led assemblies. So this is really, I am a little bit more their advisor than their classroom teacher. They, they put together content and run a monthly assembly kind of all on their own. It's pretty awesome. That's really, that's very unique. And so yeah. do you, 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 do you have any general music uh, responsibilities or is it primarily the choral program and the theater program? I personally don't. I have, there are two other full-time music teachers in my school, which is really crazy in Vermont. Mm -hmm. We have three full-time music teachers, but we're all busy uh, somehow. I'm sure. We've got, <laughs> um, Chris is our instrumental. He does our band and music theory classes. Yep. And then we have a jazz and music tech teacher, Bruce. Um, he does jazz for the middle school and high school, and he does middle school. Um, middle school music tech, which has kind of taken the place of our general music yep. in the middle school. Um, so they meet in trimesters and he sees all of the middle school students who are not in band and chorus. Oh, wow. All right. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, great. So um, the, I first met you uh, at a uh, technology workshop that I was presenting up in Vermont, I don't know yeah. how many years ago. Um, how do you, for our listeners, um, you know, as a choral person, the reason why I was really excited to talk to you, Stephanie, is I know that you incorporate technology into your choral program. Mm -hmm. um, so just tell us what, what you do, um, what your philosophy behind it is. Uh, yeah. How are you using uh, music tech in your teaching? Sure. That's, that's a great question. One that I get a lot to, as a chorus teacher. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's interesting because I definitely approach choral music as really one of the times in my students' day where they don't have to be plugged in. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're plugged in all the time. They're constantly on devices, either personal or in the classroom. Um, and it's really nice for them to go to a place where they have to stare at each other and look, and look each other in the eyes and make music and um, actually have some really incredible human interaction during that time. Um, and at the same time, you know, after my, during my first year of teaching, I remember feeling really um, out of the loop and everyone was talking about technology and it was really a, like part of the buzz of teaching um, when I first started especially more even more so than it is now I think mm -hmm. um, and everyone was like technology integration in your classroom is one of the most important things you could possibly be doing and I had no idea what that would mean for me as a chorus teacher um, and I think my first year teaching I didn't do anything. I think my technology integration was emailing them, <laughs> you know, like, yep. I don't know what else to do. Um, I took an emerging technologies course um, at my school over the summer after my first year of teaching because I was lost. Um, and that was not music specific. It was just different things that are happening now. Here are some cool apps that you could use as a teacher. Um, and it was both exciting and also confusing because <laughs> I really didn't know what I should be doing. Um, but then that very next year, my second year of teaching, um, we signed on with Music First, which was really still um, in its infancy, I feel like, at that yeah, point. You were, you were one of our early yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so that, that helped me start to organize my thoughts a little bit and realize that I didn't have to do everything all at once. Mm -hmm. 
um, and made me a little bit more calm about <laughs> about trying to. It was more of an integration and not a jumping into the deep end and trying to do it all. Right. Um, and I and I started slow, which I think is really important. Um, and and I realized that I just I just needed to think about what my students needed and not just about integrating technology for technology's sake, which is, Absolutely. which is what I felt like I needed to do at first because I had no idea what was happening. Um, and I realized that one of, the, one of the most difficult things for me is that in my ensemble classes, especially in the high school, the class is big and it's really, really difficult to keep track of everyone's personal growth over the course of the school year. Um, there are a lot of kids and they're in that nine through 12 classroom are, it's so heterogeneous. It's by a grade level, there's nine through 12. There are kids who have like almost no experience reading music in the same classroom as the kids who are, are auditioning for music ed programs right. in college. So um, <laughs> it's, it's tough to manage that with a large group of people um, without technology to be perfectly honest. Exactly, um, exactly. And, and not just for, for me, but for them as well, giving them the opportunity to have choices for what they decide to work on, um, especially when it comes to uh, music theory and the kids who need to like practice their treble clef notation versus the kids who are looking at chord structures and things that are a little bit more complicated. Right. Um, it's, it's so much easier to be like, here's this, awesome website look at all of these different things you can do you choose you know where where are you at let's talk about where you want to be what are your let's set some goals right and um get to work you know so without for you, having it, to create twenty thousand worksheets for right so you're really you're really all in on the differentiated instruction in your choral program I, yeah, I have to be. <laughs> out of I gotta necessity. Be, out, of, out of absolute necessity. Otherwise, um, I, well, I feel like then if I wasn't, I would be a terrible teacher, first of all. Um, but yeah. I, would also, I would also start losing kids because after being in my classroom for four years, some of them for six years, if I have them from seventh grade, like you can't do the same thing over and over again. Right. Um, they're, they're very smart. They're ca they'll catch on after the first five minutes. Like, oh, yeah, I remember this lesson. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, and just like managing bodies, you know, um, one of the things that we do is with, with the music technology is having them record vocal assessments and being able to have that all appear on one page um, where I can just listen to them all with having, without having to download audio and I can leave them comments on that same page. I, that is not only just an incredible thing to be able to do technology wise, but right. it's also such a huge time saver, um, which is always an issue, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, you, you mentioned the, the magic word to me because when, when I was designing the platform, I had it, my mantra was uh, uh, not enough time. And that, uh, that I have never met a music educator ever in my life who have said, I have so much time with my kids. I don't know what to do with them. Instead, it was, I, I don't, you know, especially in a, in a performance ensemble, 
you know, situation where you, you wish you had more rehearsal time always. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, when you're, when you're herding cats, which is often the case with large (laughs) groups of of children, uh, you know, reaching outside of the time you have with them, you know, in person uh, was definitely a key component of our platform. The, The idea of it was so that you can connect with these students outside of class time you know, the, I'm sure it's the same for you with your kids in Vermont. Uh, the, the phone seems like it is surgically attached to the kid's hand. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, having choral music and, and vocal assessments be available on that device, I think, is, is, really, is really key in, in today's uh, kind of environment with kids. Absolutely. And it also opens up my classroom time to more choral instruction instead of trying to hurt all the cats during that time right. and try to um, get their music theory going for an, and trying to figure out all of that other work and doing their vocal assessments, none of that has to happen during class. Right. So I can almost be a little bit more dedicated to our work as singers and our choral rep right. and our rehearsal time because now my students have access to a million and one different things while they're outside of my classroom. Um, they have rehearsal tracks that they can listen to at home, which obviously they're doing right now because they're at home on a snow yeah, day. Yeah. So they're clearly at home Very good. listening to their choral music and not skiing. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> <That's just> right. <laughs> I'm sure some of them are. You live in the best, best ski area I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned that the, I call it administrivia. The um, you know, the 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 mundane kind of annoying part of our job as a music educator, collecting assessment data, uh, making sure that you know they're there, that they're doing their work, they're on task, they're growing as musicians. That's the part that many music educators kind of leave. Uh, you know, to the, to the point where, you know, or almost procrastinate on it and it becomes such a stress um, because really the main point of your job is to, is to develop these kids, you know, to the best musician they can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they administrivia, which I call it. Um, it, it, <laughs> I love that. It'd be nice to get it out of the way. Um, so it but is, the, and those are all the things that, you know, when I, um, when I have classes where I teach teachers, the thing I hear all the time is, well, I don't have time for that. Right. I don't have time to do that. So and nobody does really. <laughs> right. And, you know, to be very honest with you, Stephanie, one of the reasons I was excited to have you uh, on our podcast is that you exemplify what I would, I would consider the, the absolute kind of best level of, uh, you know, performance ensemble conductor. You're not a music technology teacher. And I don't think people would probably associate you, oh, Stephanie is the music tech choral person but (laughs) but instead you are a choral director who uses music technology to help them you say that's fair yes absolutely definitely not the person that would be like oh look music technology guru (laughs) that is totally not me (laughs) right and and that's you know that's what i'm i i I urge all you know uh, music educators is that you don't have to be a guru um, you know, the point of music technology, for at least from my perspective, is to try to help you uh, mm-hmm. do your job, save time, get the stuff that's the quote unquote annoying part of your gig. Let, let the music technology handle that. If, 
if it can, and spend more time engaging with students, conducting, making music. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I confess this uh, pretty frequently, but as a band director, I cannot recall one moment in my band conducting class where I said, put down your instruments and your music, we're going to go online and do something. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that sounds, uh, you know, um, <laughs> heretical coming from me, but I just didn't have enough time. I had a concert to prepare for, and the mm-hmm. I used music technology outside of the class to help in their, like, lesson groups or, or when they weren't with me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So <clears throat> what, um, you know, in Vermont, there is a fantastic organization that I hope our listeners uh, go and check out. It's Music Comp. The website is music-comp.org. Um, how are you involved uh, with Music Comp? And do any of your choral students uh, compose? And, and if so, how are they doing that? Or is that, is that more um, what your colleague Bruce does with the students? Oh, um, I'm so glad you brought up Music Comp. That was in my notes for later. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Um, what a transition. Uh, we have been a part of Music Comp for a really, really long time at Harwood. Uh, before, before I was there, um, for ages, they've been around for a few decades. And can, you, can you give a thumbnail sketch of what they do sure. in case our listeners don't know? Sure. So this organization was started by, um, in in part by Sandy McLeod, who is um, one of the most amazing people on the planet. Yep. And um, I'm sure you agree. Absolutely. Um, and they are a, it's a composition online mentoring program. So this is an opportunity for students throughout Vermont and now in a couple of other states as well to write music side by side with uh, composer mentors online. So they share their scores online. They're given feedback by their composer mentor um, and walked through this process, which is awesome for someone like me who um, composes a little bit and knows enough to, to get my kids started. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty details of composition, you know, I'm not, I'm not the expert. So it's great. And, and also speaking of time, um, it's really hard to have time to sit down with all of your students and work through compositions with them, um, especially as an ensemble teacher. So, um, they work through that whole process. And then at the end of the allotted time period, usually a couple of months of mentoring, um, a number of students are selected to have their work performed by professional musicians um, in a live concert, which is just the most mind-blowingly beautiful thing. I am a groupie. I've been to so many of those concerts that I sit there crying. I cry every year. It's so beautiful. Um, So um, we, before I was on board, um, we were sending kids to get their music mentored and hopefully performed. Um, and when I when I started at Harwood, Sandy asked me to come and sing. Um, every other opus that they have um, is includes a choral. Oh right, right. Um, so I jumped on board to sing, and then had some of my students jump in as composers. Um, and have been involved with them in any way, shape, or form since. Anything they need, I'm I'm in. Uh, So we uh, lovingly completely stole their model um, of (laughs) composition. Um, Now, five years ago, we're just in, in two weeks, we're about to start our Opus 5. 
Um, so all of our students in band and chorus, grades seven through 12, compose every Amazing. day. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, we don't know how, how it happens every year, but it does. Um, and what are they using? <laughs> uh, are they using note flight or do they use? They are. They are. So we use, we use music first, as I mentioned. And um, so our, the two things that our kids use, or three, I guess, um, they're using note flight for their scores, which is great because I can have it all just organized on my own account. Yep. So I can just go in and see everybody's scores in one place, which is fantastic. Um, and also NoteFlight now, as of a couple of years ago, has this great um, opportunity to create groups. So I can have, you know, three or four kids grouped together and yep. they provide peer feedback and they can share each other's scores. So that part is really awesome as well. Um, we also use um, the Inside Music curriculum, their videos, yep. their lessons. Um, which we used before they were a part of Music First. We've been using those in our classroom for, for ages and ages um, and wouldn't trade them for the world. They're fantastic. It's a great opportunity. I love them. To, yeah. Uh, the content's awesome. We, we usually start off watching some of them in class with the students that they know what to expect. And then it turns into a great opportunity to flip the classroom and have them do this learning at home. Um, so they can watch these video lessons and get some information and tips on their compositions. They write through NoteFlight, as I mentioned. And then they also, when they do their work check-ins with us, they have to write a reflection, which they do write on music first. Just in like so you, So box. you've basically, you know, you've taken the model that Music Comp uh, came up with and you've done like a micro music comp but a Harwood music comp and uh, totally. I I don't know are, do you know of any other schools in Vermont that are doing that or are you unique in that way uh, no there there are a couple I know Montpelier um, works that way as well it's a little bit of a different model um, but there are a couple of other schools who do um, in-house composition projects often with help from the music comp team Mentor, in some right. way or another um, I know that Montpelier and us, we um, apply for a Vermont Arts Council grant so that we have artists in residence right. um, who come in and work wow. with our kids. So Eric Nielsen um, has been working with our kids for three years. This oh, is that's a, fantastic. Yeah, he's a Vermont composer, incredible, incredible guy. He's also one of the composer mentors for Music Comp. And this year we also have Matt LaRocca who's the new executive director of Music Comp. So we've got them both on the hook this year through our Arts Council grant. Um, and they're coming in and working with kids. Excellent. Uh, so because I think a lot of music teachers are reticent to do a program like that because they themselves do not, for whatever reason, feel equipped or have enough expertise to give feedback on a student mm -hmm. composition. Because as I'm sure you will agree, it is such an incredibly important process to do it the right way, uh, because if a kid submits something that's completely out of whack and, and you know, saying to that student, 
that's out of whack. You could kill their creative spirit on the spot. <laughs> right. Um, Do you and, really want that music to sound like that? Right. And, and what I, I, I always use the word, that's really interesting, which is the yeah. best possible way that you can <laughs> say, wow, that's, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Um, that, that's, a, that's an interesting choice you've made. Exactly. The word interesting <laughs> is so noncommittal. I truly, I, I love it. I, I, I hold, I own that term. Um, so <clears throat> I really, so do you recommend uh, for other teachers who might be considering uh, doing something like this to connect with composers in their area or, or, or take a stab at doing themselves? What, what advice would you give for other music teachers who might want to do something like what you're doing? Um, absolutely. Any connections you can make in the community, uh, that's um, invaluable, really. Um, having them come in and do big group work or um, kind of one-on-one -on -one stuff with your kids or with you, you know, just yep. kind of walking through the process with them. Um, like you've said, one of the most important aspects of this composition project is the feedback loop. So being no able question. to <laughs> being able to encourage them and give them good advice um, without squashing their creativity or making them feel like they don't know what they're doing. Um, it, just being encouraging through your feedback is is just so crucial. Um, and I think that I've definitely learned a lot over the years. Um, first of all, just by doing, and then also by, by listening in on Eric Nielsen when he was working with our kids and, and listening to the kinds of things that he was saying to them and having conversations with him and with Sandy and with Matt all at Music Comp, just about like, what do I say to these kids? Um, what's the most important thing they should hear from me? How do I format my feedback? You know, we talk a lot about the um, critique sandwich, <laughs> tell yep. them something you really like and then something they could work on. And then, oh, it might be interesting if you tried this or the what would happen if you kind of question. Yeah, um, that, I love that critique sandwich. And, and for <laughs> our listeners, that is so crucial, uh, in my opinion, I'm sure you would agree, mm -hmm. that you start with a compliment, then you give some informed um, uh, constructive criticism with really specific suggestions of what they might try um, and then leave it on a very positive note with, I can't wait to hear what you come up with. Mm -hmm. uh, that, 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 that um, kind of process, which I really believe that Sandy and Anne Hamilton, her partner in crime, uh, mm -hmm. from, I guess it was, it's almost 25 years ago at this point. Yeah. Uh, I think they came up with that. The inside music curriculum, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with it, is basically the distilled essence of the Vermont MIDI project and then the music comp project, which is what it, it, it's called now, uh, in a curriculum that's really easy uh, for the students. It's, it's completely student-led. And in the, in the creative process, the more student-led activities you can do, uh, the better. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And I have to admit that I, I, when I first started this and I really felt like I didn't know what I was doing, I went on and I watched all of those inside music videos. <laughs> Yourself. <laughs> like myself, just as a student, I sat down and I watched them and I did the exercises and I was like, okay, I got to figure this out because I'm supposed to be teaching this and I, and I don't feel ready for that. And that was after, after going through that process, I felt like okay, yeah, you know what? This is totally accessible. I can do this um, with those resources. I don't know what I would, I don't know what I would do right. if I didn't have all that help. And so when, when do, do you do a live concert just like Music Comp? We do. The first, um, 
the first week of May is our Opus 5. Send me an invite. I would love Absolutely. to Absolutely. Oh my gosh, that would be so much fun. That'd be and we've very got, fun. we have a great um, group of musicians that come in and they totally, again, we stole their model because it works so well. So if it ain't broke, um, yeah. <laughs> so we, the, the kids rehearse their musicians during the day. Awesome. Awesome. Um, which is really cool to see, you know, like a, a seventh grader, even the 12th grader, but especially the seventh grader sit down um, and listen to their music for the first time live, not making MIDI sounds and, um, and then have them say, you know, I think I actually don't want you to play it that way. You're, or you're, you're a little too slow, or maybe that could yep. be a little louder um, and, and taking the reins and really um, directing this group of professional musicians is really, really incredible. Um, and then we have our concert right after school. Um, it's, it's really awesome. That's, that's, that's incredible. And for, again, any of our listeners, if you want to meet me up in Vermont, I think the uh, Opus, the next Opus concert for Music Comp is in late April. It's always on a Monday. It's always yeah, it's, really, where is it? Is it back at St. Michael's College or? I don't have um, this year. Uh, actually, why can't I find that? Um, this year, it's actually in late March. Okay, really cool. Follow it. Yeah, they changed locations to kind of move things around a little bit. Um, everything was kind of happening in the Burlington area, so we're trying to change things up. So it's going to be in Montpelier this year at the Vermont College of Fine Arts. Oh, cool! Um, on March twenty sixth. That's fantastic. So March 26th, go to music-comp.org. Come up and enjoy everything that's cool about Vermont and hear some incredible music. I can't uh, tell um, uh, you, I can't make it a strong enough case for how incredible, in my opinion, it is the single best example of music technology in education that I've ever seen. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're just about out of time, Stephanie. So I have two last questions for you. Sure. The, the first one is, um, what advice would you give to uh, either choral educators or music educators in general who are in the same position now that you were about seven years ago, who are really don't have any idea what technology integration means? What, what advice would you give them? Um, I would just repeat over and over again, what do your students need? Um, it, it really feels at first, because you want to start small, right? So it feels at first that maybe you're using technology for technology's sake, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Right. Um, I know when I started out, the, the SAMR model was really helpful for me, which is the degrees of technology integration, right? Substitution augmentation, modification, and redefinition. I'm extremely so. impressed that you remember those. I was just rooting <laughs> through my mind trying to remember what Samer said. are they all? <laughs> um, so, and, and start, start small, start with substitution. What's the thing that you do now that you could use technology for? Keeping track of um, student growth, maybe um, just a place to manage your vocal assessments, you know, um, or but but like keep going keep going keep going yep, think about yep. what your kids need and the ultimate goal is to get to that redefinition like what can you do with technology that you would never be able to do without it yep that's that's the ultimate goal but don't feel like you have to start there 
You'll That's go crazy. Great, great <laughs> advice. And, and uh, I, I, I hope people heed it. So uh, the last question uh, is, the, is my favorite question to ask. I, I ask it of my own staff all the time, and it's called the magic wand mm. question. So if you had a magic wand and could either change anything about what music first can or can't do or music technology in general, um, what, would it, what would you do if you could just say, poof, it, now we're able to do this? Oh, boy. Um, I think that it just has to do with um, technology in general and, and the, the question of time that we are always are talking about a lot yeah. today. Um, you know, Vermont is, we are unique. Um, and we are next year, the class of 2020 is graduating with a proficiency based diploma. And so we have had a huge shift over the last few years away from traditional grading. Um, it's just not, it's not a thing anymore wow. as of next year. Yeah. And so, you know, with changing how you grade, it also changes your grade book. <laughs> yep. Um, and so we're using jump rope right now to, to mark our proficiencies and everything is uh, beginning emerging proficient or advanced and being able to have all of those things talk to each other would save my life. <laughs> well, have you, have you seen our new grading rubrics? I have. I have Are they close to what you want? They, they can be. Okay. All right. We'll work on it for you. <laughs> yeah. We should talk. No, it's totally, totally can be. It's, it's just like, it just changes so much and so fast yep, yep. that it's like, everybody just hold on. <laughs> I need to catch up. <laughs> like I, need to, I need to be able to do all of these things in one place. Um, and, and I think things are just changing so fast um, that it's, it's hard for the, technology to keep up with everything that we have to yeah. suddenly change about the way that we grade and report grades. And, um, it just takes forever. Yep. That's the thing that takes the most time, you know? Well, I think, I think you've fun. perfectly summarized <laughs> the, the whole issue for everybody. And is that, you know, that the kind of it, what I called administrivia. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, let's chat, uh, after yeah. this, we'll <laughs> okay. see what we could do to help you. But really, awesome. Stephanie, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I hope that uh, the listeners, uh, I'm sure they did get get something from uh, your kind of uh, you know uh, um, kind of interaction with technology and what you're doing with your Coral program. I hope that uh, it doesn't snow too much today and you don't get stuck oh. outside <laughs> shoveling. Uh, but but thank you very very much, and uh, I can't wait to hear more great stuff coming out of uh, Harwood uh, Union Middle and High School up in Vermont. Thanks. Maybe we'll see you on March 26th. I'm definitely That'd there. Definitely. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Thanks. Take care. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, visit www.musicfirst.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with other teachers doing innovative things with technology, please subscribe to this podcast on whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.